This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. This is type of booty. When she get home, I'm washing the dishes. Mm. You better quote Megan Stallion. What's going on, black people and the rest of you? No, I'm kidding. What's going on, universe? This is Stanley Fritz. I am here back for another action-packed episode of Let Your Voice Be Heard, only on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. I'm here with Selena Hill. Damon Stubbs. He's a special guest. You'll learn about him soon. And of course, Mariah the Lit. Damn it. I got to come up with a nickname for you, Mariah. Why aren't you helping me with this? Mmm. And Mariah. Ooh. That was good, right? Go back like baby to pacify. You, you know that song? Of course I do. Okay, you watch like me. Cool, 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 cool. Anyways, <laughs> go ahead, Selena. Yes, guys. So welcome to Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. This is the show where we talk politics, social justice, pop culture, and we do that all from our millennial perspectives and black. um and black perspectives um so my name is selena hill you can follow me on instagram and twitter at miss selena hill and shout out to everybody who is watching via live how many people do we have via live now for shout out to you guys i appreciate Amy the Jones, love and support callie jane oh we Dee also have Dee people Mendes. watching on Facebook. Oh, damn. We got the four people flex on IG Live? Yeah, we oh, got IG Live. We have people on Facebook Live. And it's because we have a very special show. We're going to be talking about black the politics of black forgiveness. Mm. I mean, we've seen what happened in this case. Uh, Amber Geiner, Geiger has been convicted of 10 years. Uh, and, you know, she's also been forgiven and embraced. So we're going to, not not from Stanley. I'm just coughing. Not man. from Stanley. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that. And, of course, Trump is uh, probably going to be impeached. Well, I don't, well, he's going to be impeached, but I don't think he's going to be removed from office. So we're going to talk about that and everything else. But before we get to that, we have a very special guest here with us today who is joining us all the way from Harlem. His name is Damon Stubbs. He is the founder of Conscious in Pentecost, a faith and justice initiative focused on mobilizing people of faith around issues of racial and economic justice. As I said, he is a Harlem resident and a member of the executive leadership team for the New York Urban League Young Professionals. Welcome to the show, Damon. Hey, it's good to be here. What's going on, Black King? You know, I'm all right. I'm chilling. I feel honored. You heard about the gospel of black men not cheating? I did. I (laughs) did. I heard you are a great writer. You're one of the authors of that book. You know? (laughs) Hallelujah. Holla back. (laughs) So you subscribe to that? Uh, I, I, black men, uh, you know, we, we don't we, we, you know, yeah. Some of us multitask. I, I don't know who's watching right now. I just say that. <laughs> it is all good, Damon. So we're very, very, very happy to have you. Stanley, did you let people know how they can follow you and find you? Well, you can't follow me on Facebook anymore because I have 5,000 friends. Weird flex. I okay, know. Mr. Popular. Mm. But you can follow me on Twitter at Stanford. You can follow me on IG at Stanford. You can follow me on Snapchat at Dark Skin Swindle. And I have, um, what do they call that app? Um, not Thrillist. The other one, TikTok. I have a TikTok. But what? When did you get a TikTok? TikTok? I only got it so I can get funny videos, but I can't find any black people on there. So I don't go. I don't go on it. Well, maybe you should create those videos that you want to find. I got, I got too much stuff to do. <laughs> don't you? So on that note, guys, we're going to take a quick break. But don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're talking Trump. We're talking forgiveness. We're talking Justice in the criminal justice system. You, you talking forgiveness? I'm talking this song right here. <laughs> Shout out to Emma Gaga. This song is for you, beloved. You got so straight. Ain't nothing to talk about. Let's get it. 
do say with apple juice taste okay we are back on let your voice be heard on 90.3 fm whcr the voice of harlem if you are just tuning in this is stanley fritz i'm here with selena hill of course we got damon Stubbs, and then we have mariah scary because she kills these streets and i'm still workshopping her nickname for the record i am not scaring away the faith leader he also likes the song trick for jesus don't you uh. <laughs> do you not stanley i plead the fifth <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, I am messy. You're right. Um, anyway, guys. So yeah, we are back. This is let your voice be heard. Um, you know, so uh, we actually have a great comment coming via Facebook Live about Trump. So let's kick off the news roundup talking about Trump's impeachment. Why not, right? So we know that Donald Trump is being impeached. The Democrats have put an inquiry out. I mean, it's just revelation after revelation. Apparently, back in July, he was on a phone call with the Ukraine president soliciting them to give over um, evidence or some documentation that would put Joe Biden and his family in a very bad predicament. They Let's just put it like that. An illegal investigation into Joe Biden because they were based off of a conspiracy theory that was proven wrong. They wanted Ukraine to invest Joe Biden's son. Um, yep. I think it's Bo Biden, the son that none of them. No, 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 like. Hunter, Hunter oh, Biden. Hunter. Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah. Bo has uh, some white names. Well, anyway, so not only that, so this came out right, and then Trump goes on national TV, and multiple times he said, "Yes, I wanted the Ukraine to investigate Biden, his son. They should be investigated, and actually, China should actually step in as well and investigate." Um, he is, and I've said this before on this show, he is shameless. And what I think his strategy or tactic is, he is putting his dirt out in the open so that he makes it like it makes us more comfortable with it. And it makes us think like, well, he's trying to make us think like, OK, it can't be that bad because he's so open about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So Ken Roy uh, Charrington, he left a comment on our Facebook Live just now. He says morally and legally, the president should be impeached. But most Republicans look the other way. Um, yeah, right, Stanley. No, Stanley, I want to get your feedback on the impeachment. I, nothing's going to happen. I'm, I've pretty much just turned my brain off to this whole process because the Democrats have finally gotten to a point where they at least do an investigation. Republicans are not going to budge on this. And I don't expect much to happen. I expect for this to be the big story for another couple of days until the new thing gets popular and the media moves on to the next story. He's done a lot of different things that have deserved impeachment over his three years in office. This ain't even the worst one. So I don't understand why there's so much hype now. Damien, what are your thoughts on Trump's impeachment? I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I totally agree with you that he's really putting it out there in a way that's saying, hey, I'm going to desensitize y'all. You know, I don't see what the big deal is. What are the Democrats talking about? What's the big deal? So honestly, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing, what I did. And honestly, I'm the good guy because I'm investigating corruption. Mm -hmm. And I think he's definitely trying to spin it. I think he's proven to be good at spending things. And I think that if the Democrats aren't careful, it can definitely backfire on them in a way, especially during an election year. It can definitely round up his base. It can definitely bring him bring out his base and try to look at him as some type of martyr or whatnot. And I think that that's a dangerous political game. Now, if we're talking about the truth of it all, the brother should be impeached. The dude should be impeached. Guys, if you have questions or comments about this discussion, particularly Trump's impeachment or anything we talk about today on Let Your Voice Be Heard, leave your comments on facebook.com slash let your voice be heard and shout out to all those who are listening via podcast you can tweet us your thoughts or at be heard underscore radio 
What I'll say to that is it is so bewildering that the fact that the Democrats are trying to hold this man accountable and in some way they it might backlash on them. Like you said, like it could be this whole campaign where he becomes this martyr and he becomes this big victim of a witch hunt, which is basically what he's trying to say and what he's trying to do. And then you have the Republicans who are not holding him accountable. Marco Rubio literally went on like had a press conference and said, oh, he was just joking about China. Like they're smarter than this. And they're gaslighting the entire country. Stanley, final at, thoughts? At this point in the game, they got to go down with the ship because once they, they go down, they're going down. But what folks should really be afraid of is if he's getting this brazen, you think an election loss is going to stop him from staying in power? And do you think Republicans are going to say anything when Trump calls the election um, against Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris um, illegitimate? You think Republicans are going to be like, oh, he has to go? No, I think that's where we're heading right now if we're really being honest about what's going on in these streets. Well, you know, speaking of what's going on, I want to shift gears a little bit to talk about what happened in California. We know that the governor has passed the fair pay, the pay to play law so that college athletes will be compensated in some way. If their image or likeness is being used, they can finally get endorsement deals. They can partner with different brands. They won't be paid directly. But, you know, this issue has been uh, been addressed for decades. I know we talked about it here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Um, and, and, you know, I want to talk about the racial aspect of it, Stanley, because a lot of people said they look at this as you have these black athletes who are making millions of dollars for these colleges, mostly white institutions, and they're not being compensated. Well, yeah, because this is the biggest hustle in America right now on college or pro sports where they're making billions of dollars and they're not paying them, and their argument is because it takes away the purity of the game. This is not new. As we know, a couple of years ago, some players in Northwestern sued to be able to start their own union and demand paying, and that didn't go very far. So this is a pretty big move from California, and because California is a big state, others may follow suit. I'm in full support of this. Yeah, so uh, uh, Senator Kevin... Um, Parker. Yes, Kevin Parker. He actually proposed similar legislation here mm-hmm. in New York. Uh, he actually would take it a step further by um, giving students the right to be directly paid by colleges. Uh, Damon, I mean, these student athletes, they get full scholarships. Mm-hmm. They get tutors. They're, I mean, they're extremely popular. I mean, do should they be paid and I compensated? Mean, I've always been a supporter that they should be paid, but I think they should definitely be paid responsibly. I mean, one of my big, big fears is besides Besides it tainting the game and things of that nature, uh, which has already happened. You know, we already know there's things happening underneath the table all the time. Uh, But my biggest fear is that they're not financial literate, that they'll receive these funds and they're not properly handled. And I don't think that's an excuse for not giving folks money. But I do think there also needs to be other measures put in place to ensure that they're not being uh, extorted. That they're not being taken advantage of because they're already being taken advantage of, quite frankly. Uh, if you have a million dollar salaries for coaches and, and, and millions and millions of dollars worth of merchandise uh, revenue, uh, definitely these brothers and sisters. Right. That's another thing we're not talking about. Right. Uh, definitely needs to be taken care of properly. They need to be ready to receive any mm. money that they're going to receive or else we're going to end up with broke athletes um, in college. I mean, I, I second that fully. I think that financial education and financial literacy should be a part of a college curriculum. Right. I mean, actually, we should be teaching students, uh, you know, how to work, how to use money and how not, you know, how to, how to make money work for you as far as elementary school. Because, you know, like you said, a lot of athletes, once they retire from the game, they go broke. I mean, 
they're going broke whether they're in the league or they're in college or not. So give them their money. Agreed. <laughs> agreed to like give them the money. Yeah, agreed to like <laughs> some financial literacy, but pay them. Yeah, because it makes no sense that these these coaches who don't step foot on the court are getting multi million dollar deals, right. but a player who comes from usually comes from an impoverished neighborhood has to be making you billions of dollars while their parents are still living in the projects or in poverty and they can't afford to eat every day. I'm just mm-hmm. not with any of that. Right. And what's the possibility? What's the probability of you actually going on to major leagues? Like, what's the probability of you actually going on to the pros? You have a very low, sorry, brother, but you have a very, very low chance of actually making it on the floor of the NBA or NFL. And yep. so you've given up your body for four or five years, mm-hmm. you know, with no type of nothing to walk away with but a degree. But I think at the same time, your likeness has been making money and will continue to make money even after you leave college. So yep. you definitely need some type of kickback. Can we talk about some serious news now? Because I got some serious news to share. Serious news. Y'all ready? All right. Have you guys heard about Elizabeth Warren and what's going on with her? Go ahead, Stanley. So Jacob Walm, the famous conservative, um, quote-unquote, activist, who likes to go out and put these fake stories out against progressive groups and put out these fake doctored videos. Um, the most famous one is when they said that Planned Parenthood was eating stem cells. <laughs> Yeah, that was a thing. Um, So he came and had a press conference with a 24-year-old sailor who said that he had been having sex with Senator Elizabeth Warren for several years and that she was very violent during sex and was a dominatrix and left a big bruise on his back. And he was complaining about it? Yeah, yeah, Selena. Okay. No, 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 I'm asking for clarity. That was was for clarity purposes. Oh, oh, yeah, heard you. (laughs) I'm not going to yuck your yum, sis. What's wrong with that? <laughs> She's like, that sounds like a good time to me. No, but anyway, it was almost immediately proven to be false because these idiots made up this lie but didn't bother to lock the guy's Instagram. And on his IG, it clearly says, hurting my back on a chain when I was cleaning the backyard up. So the lie, like, it was, yeah, they're just dumb. But Elizabeth Warren's campaign and comms team is legendary. So as this story was coming out, on her Twitter, she put out a picture of her college mascot. She goes, I'm, pr- I'm proud to be a Massachusetts Cougar. Go Cougars. I love Elizabeth mm. Warren. Not only that, and do I appreciate, you know, what the comms team put out, but I appreciate, did you guys see her rocking those mom jeans, those high-waisted jeans this week back in the 70s? She Like, it was a, a, also a little moment. Elizabeth Warren, she is doing it. What are your thoughts? I mean, one thing about Elizabeth Warren I can say I appreciate. I mean, it's not an endorsement. But one thing I can say I appreciate about her is that she's authentically herself. Yes, I, she is. I believe that that's who she is. She is that professor. She is that mom. Yes, she she is. is that wife. You know, she she is that New England, you know, from the South to New England type of uh, woman. So, I mean, that's one thing I appreciate about her. When I see Elizabeth Warren, I feel like I really see Elizabeth Warren. And I think if she is the nominee, she might not have an issue with the whole glass wall type of thing. Mm, uh, really? I do that's think that she is more relatable in the sense that people believe her. And I think that's very important in an election. She might be in the lead now because you heard those chest pains that Bernie Sanders had. They weren't just chest pains. He had an actual heart attack. Yes, he did. And mm. they kept that they kept that story under wraps for three days, and it just became public on Thursday. He actually had a heart attack. And now folks are wondering if he can still stay in this race and be viable or if he should drop out. What do you guys think? Ooh. I am so disheartened. Uh, Bernie Sanders, he is 78 years old. I mean, he... And at one point, I kind of felt like Elizabeth Warren stole his thunder. Like, you know, I'm not like one of those Bernie bros who believe in the conspiracies and all that. But I was here for Bernie in 2016, and I'm loyal. Okay, so I was all for, I was like, Bernie, this is our year. We're going to do it 2020. Let's go. And now, look at this. He had a heart attack. Mm. I am so disheartened. What do you think? I don't think? know. I smell an endorsement. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I smell an endorsement. Not anymore. He can't stay. I think. 
mean, I mean, I mean, I smell an endorsement of him endorsing Elizabeth. Oh. <laughs> so you don't think he can? You think he I can think, drop out? I think that I'm not. This is not questioning whether he can. Uh, physically, this is a question whether he can politically. Mm. I'm not sure if he's really able to make the case to people who are already leaving him and going to Elizabeth because they felt as though they can get stability and policies at the same time. Yeah. And now with the whole idea about his age, I just don't think he's going to be able to make that case. I think I'm I'm looking I mean, forward to the next poll. Can I just want to say this, and we we have a really good comment that came in on Facebook Live. Before I say that, if Bernie Sanders has to drop out, so does Joe Biden. In my opinion, he is senile. We hear what he says. <sighs> he No, he, he he's not coherent senile. in his words. Facts. I've heard people tell me off the record, I, they had conversations with him, and it's not the sh- same Joe that we fell in love with back in 2008. He's been through a lot of emotional trauma and pain. He lost another child back in 2015 when Bo Biden died. He's and, 145 years old, though. Like, and, he, and he's older, and he, he's been through a lot. I just want Joe to sit down. Are How, you age-shaming? No, I'm not. I'm saying that I don't think he's competent enough, mm. and I think it's obvious. And I've been speaking to people in the mainstream and I've asked them why is it that you have people you know commentators come on mainstream media and they're pushing and really pumping for Joe and they're like oh because he's safe but meanwhile the rest of us we see what's going on um I want to get to Gregory Neesmith's comment on our Facebook live he says wait a minute and I think he's talking to you Damon Warren wasn't so authentic when she was checking the wrong boxes on her employment forms back in the day. Hey, she was point three 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 native. Okay, so respect the point. Actually, she's point zero zero three 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 native. But you know what? Whether that's true or not, bruh. Oh, it is true. You know whether that's true or not. The point is, we're talking about now, and I don't. I think, and luckily, that news cycle spent out is done with until Trump brings it back up if she's the nominee. But the point is now, as of now. I think people do believe her. People feel as though this is who she is. And I feel as though that she's really is this white woman who was a professor. And now they, you know, they think that's who she is. She can be corny sometimes, but that's who she is. She's she quirky. She yeah, little, yeah, she's quirky. She's she a got little sailor. They over there getting busy in the back, you know. I just, can I just say really quickly, because I know we have to move on. Yeah. I just see Elizabeth Warren as being so nice. <laughs> I just think she's too nice. Like I'm like I I don't see and look I'm I don't know if that's a sexy that's comment. That's a first for the woman in politics. She's just so <laughs> no. When I look, I'm all for women. Kamala, she's a prosecutor. I know she's hard hitting. She's sharp. She'll take right. anybody down, yeah, including Trump and Biden. Stop it, Stanley. <sighs> but she Warren, she's just so nice. I just want to give her a hug. I'm just like I don't know. But I want to say this because we do have to go on a quick break and we're going to get into our main topic. But just really quickly. What is everyone's thoughts on Kanye West? He is traveling the country. He has a new album dropping. Jesus is King. Has he been redeemed, Damon? Has no. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, on 100, Kanye got some challenges. You know what I'm saying? And as an artist, if he chooses to do a gospel album, he can do it. But um, I don't think that he should stop being held accountable for his words and warning to the black church. I don't think that you should stop challenging him on any of his ideas or policies or stances or anything that he has said that has been reckless or problematic simply because he has Jesus in his mouth. I think it's important for us to remain aware that, yeah, bro, you might be saying Jesus in your mouth, but you still have some issues. A lot of folks got Jesus in their mouth, but I think it's important for us to continue to challenge him. So black church beware, you know, all because he's singing worship songs and gospel music now does not mean that he doesn't deserve to be challenged on some other points 
Stanley, he, really quickly. He was in Salt Lake City just yesterday telling people how they should love Trump and how Republicans are their savior. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, yep. like, go hold your cool down. Hold it, go ahead. I'm not messing with him. On that note, we do have to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're talking about Amber Geiger, how she has been forgiven and embraced by some of us in the black community and what so, that really means. Mm-hmm. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. WHCR 90.3 FM, New York. I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. That was a clip that um, came right before the hug that was heard before the world. Uh, So that moment was Botham Jean's 18-year-old brother, Brandon, publicly forgiving his brother's killer, Amber Geiger, a white Dallas police officer who fatally shot Botham while he was in his own apartment eating ice cream and watching TV. Now, after being convicted of murder and sentenced to 10 years in prison, Amber was embraced by Botham's younger brother, younger brother hugged and gifted a Bible by the court judge, and then consoled by a black uh, bailiff within the courtroom. So Brandon Jean's unprecedented uh, gesture quickly went viral, sparking some people applauding the teen for his act of forgiveness, while others challenged the virtues of Christianity, what the Bible teaches about forgiveness, and the role that black people play in the lives of our oppressors. So on this episode of Let Your Voice Be Heard, we're going to unpack public response to that emotional courtroom moment, the backlash it's received, Christian teachings on forgiveness and why black folks are not shown the same level of grace within the criminal justice system. So I want to start this conversation by talking about our reactions when both Branded and the judge hugged Amber and forgave Amber. I personally had very mixed feelings about the hug. On one hand, I understand that forgiveness is a necessary part of healing and moving past trauma and pain. In fact, on Good Morning America, Brandit said, and I quote, this is what you have to do to free yourself. I didn't really plan on living the rest of my life hating this woman. He says, I know that there's something called peace of mind, and that's the type of stuff you need to do to have peace of mind. That is why I wake up happy in the morning. And let's not forget his brother was shot a year ago now as a christian as a devout christian as that i understood brandon's heart of compassion to me it was the same compassion that jesus showed on the cross when he was being crucified and he said father forgive them they know not what they do however i can also say i was shocked when he got to the part where he said i don't think you deserve time in jail i don't think you should spend time in jail that part i was like whoa that's a lot um now i know that everyone here has very mixed views on it i want to share mine and i want to throw it over to you damon again you are a faith-based social justice activist and leader what was your reaction to this moment i mean honestly when i saw i'm gonna just keep it 100 with you when i when i actually saw this i was shocked 
<laughs> I was shocked. I was taken away. I was really like, what in the world is this? I mean, honestly. And I was shocked, number one, because something you alluded to, that that level of grace, that level of, um, oh, I believe you or, or embrace, we, we don't see that in our community at all. And so that's why I was so shocked, because I'm so used to seeing the opposite. Um, on the other hand, I also believe that when this came out, um, Christians everywhere was on my timeline lifting this up as the example, the model of how you handle things. And I think that that is something that is dangerous because one of the things I fear is that we jump to forgiveness, one, first, without receiving any level of confession from the person that offended us, that we think that we have to forgive someone if they don't first repent, which actually, from a faith perspective, my perspective on Christianity, because I know folks will be out there disagree with me, but repentance is necessary before you can access forgiveness, right? And repentance is just not, I'm sorry. Repentance is actually actions to prove your remorse. That's important before you actually receive forgiveness. What that young man did, something he said, me personally. I think that's very important, Christians, black folks, me personally. He is saying me. This is what I had to do. Do I agree that that's something he should have done in that sec you know, that situation? I don't know. I really don't know. But just to go back to what you just said, you said when Jesus was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them at the most you know, heightened moment, if you believe in Christ, of his pain, of, of the Christ story, of his pain, of his suffering, of being spat on and mocked at and being a, a unarmed black man being executed by the state because that's who Jesus was. Um, being able to cry out and say, Father, forgive them. But remember, let's look at what he said. He said, Father, you forgive them. He didn't necessarily say in his humanity, I forgive them. He said, Father, you forgive them for they know not what they do. As a <clears throat> Christian, sometimes, sometimes as a Christian, it's difficult in the moment mm -hmm. to say, I forgive you. I think it's important for us to say, Father, you're going to have to deal with my oppressors. You're going because I can't do it right now. I don't have mm -hmm. all because I'm human. I don't have all the emotional strength to embrace that individual that did this, especially if they themselves haven't shown actions of repentance. If they themselves hasn't said, you know what? What do I have to do? And I think that's very important. And I'm going to end it here. When you are remorseful and you really want someone's forgiveness, you don't ask the question, uh, what can I do to get out of it? You ask the question, what do I have to do to make it right? Great point, Stanley. Before we get to you, I just want to say really quickly, I agree. Forgiveness and healing is a process. However, I do think that forgiveness is for yourself. It's not for that other person. And I forgive people daily whether or not they say sorry or not because I don't want that resentment building up in my soul and me becoming bitter. Stanley, your thoughts on that moment in the courtroom? Um, if that's what Brandon needs to do to move on with his life, mm -hmm. that's fine. I don't have an issue with that. I mean, I thought it was nasty. Um, but like, I'm not going to judge this kid. Right. But what I will say, I, I had a larger issue with how I knew white people would use it because according to white Christianity, forgiveness is forgiving with no accountability. She was trying to get off. She wasn't trying to do jail time. She's going to appeal this. Mm. And I think white people had this fantasy where they can do all kinds of garbage things to black and brown people and the black and brown bodies. And it doesn't have to be accountability. You should just forgive them because Jesus. And that was even the way they structured their slavery, where the slaves should be kind, even to the worst of the masters, because Jesus. And I'm not really interested in any of that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm also frustrated because there are folks who are in the, in the criminal justice movement who said this is restorative justice and once again this is not what restorative is restorative justice. justice stanley restorative justice is when you actually are held accountable for like the damage or harm you've done to someone and you show up for that you apologize for that and there's forgiveness there's space for forgiveness so there's a good example of that is a show that van jones does where he connects people 
who went to jail or prison for heinous crimes to the people they harmed or the family members of the people they harmed. And they sit down and they have a conversation. And in those conversations, the people who committed the crime are usually showing up as I messed up. I was in a really bad place explaining where they were. And this is after they served their time trying to be held accountable. And it's a space for forgiveness. And it talks and, and it's a really beautiful show. And it's a good model for how we should be trying to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. What happened in that courtroom was not that. That was that was people being soft to white women. You know what, and and Stanley, those are great points there. I think that we all want forgiveness. We all make mistakes, but we can't ignore the role that race played in this. Um, Was it white privilege? I mean, was it... She was a white woman. Yes. We hear about white tears. Damon, I'm going to throw it to you. Mm-hmm. What race did role play here? I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I, I definitely think that <laughs> race plays some role here. I think I think even her defense um, exaggerated that changing of her hair, making sure that she was presentable. You know, she had that blonde hair and things of that nature. I think that they uh, uh, they really focused on that. They understood that race would play a, a part there. And I think they understood that they had to play that white woman role. And I I think that happens. I think there's no way around it. You can have black folks on the bench. You can have black people on the jury. But the bottom line is a black life was lost. Mm. And that's what's being focused on. We're not focused on the other black people. When the black life is lost in that context, race is going to automatically play a role there. And I think that that is something that they focused on. And I think that that is something that they really exaggerated. We have a call on the line. Before we get to our caller, I want to say not only did the judge, the bailiff and the family show this woman so much remorse. So some of the uh, the jurors on the court, this black woman said, mm-hmm. and, and I'm paraphrasing and I'm interpreting what she said, but she basically said 10 years was enough for the conviction of Amber because she already paid so much in the last year of her life and her, and her life has been traumatized Absolutely and not. changed. And I was like, and I was like, sis, I, I, it was just to me, it just speaks to, you know, black forgiveness. We are so willing to forgive our oppressors. That's that white man's Christianity for y'all. Miss Deborah, um, please, we, uh, we have Miss Deborah on the line. She would like mm-hmm. to let her voice be heard. Yeah, I was just, uh, good morning. I was just looking at something the other day, and there's a place in um, Washington, and there's a, a book, uh, a slavery Bible, where thousands of pages have been cut out of it uh, because they did not want slaves to read these pages. I imagine that they would be, quote-unquote, pages of empowerment. So while everybody is talking about the Bible and forgiveness, I'll tell you one thing that shouldn't happen. The John family should not be compensated civilly in any form or fashion. They should get nothing. I've thought about this a long time. Since you want to sit in the lap of this murderer that took your son's life. See, these are the same women. I know black people. Black people will look at you and tell you they're their mother and they know this and they know that. So since you know so much, take yourself back home and don't, file anything civilly, and that means, and that goes for her lawyers too, Trump, all of them, you don't need anything, you don't need anything, and people keep talking about, oh, this boy, he was so young, and he was so this, you know, the way he acted, I swear to God, I'm wondering, if this is the first time he ever hugged, uh, hugged a woman, and if it, he wouldn't let her go. Um. Miss Deborah, uh, thank you so much for calling in and giving comments. If anyone else is listening, the number is 212-650-6903. I would say this. I strongly disagree 
that the Jean family does not need to be compensated. I think they do need to be compensated. And just because that member of the family chose to forgive, I don't mm-hmm. judge him for that. I don't judge his heart. That's what he needed to do to be free and to be healed. The father wants to be her friend, apparently. Well, did, did that happen, Stanley? Yeah, apparently the father was like, I want to be your friend. Yeah, but the mother, but let's listen to the voice of the black mother mm-hmm. who said I there, she somebody. said, now listen, uh, she said she's going to spend those 10 years thinking about her actions and things of that nature, right? Uh, I don't think the mom was too happy with the outcome as well. But she also then said that there's a lot more work to do. And she said she talked about the corruption that was in the system. And I mm-hmm. think civically, I mean, civilly, if there's a civil case, it's also how they handled the case, mm-hmm. how they handled the evidence, how they pretty much somehow maybe sometimes even obstructed justice. I mean, that's an issue as well. And right. and I think that is where that civil case really does come in at. So Yes, on that note, we have to take a quick break, but keep those comments coming on Facebook. We're going to continue the conversation about black forgiveness. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. You can also subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're talking about the politics of black forgiveness, uh, in particular the case of Amber Geiger, who was forgiven by uh, the, the the family of the man that she murdered, uh, some of those members. Uh, Dar- uh, Dara Kalima, she left a comment on our Facebook Live. She says, heck yes, it was all about her tears. Everyone coddled her in a way they don't when uh, they don't to other accused criminals. So mm-hmm. it sounds like Dara, Dara is saying that uh, Amber was coddled in mm-hmm. that courtroom. Uh, she only got 10 years. The question that I have is why does it feel like black people and other marginalized communities have this undue weight or expectation to forgive the people who harm them, Stanley? Because white supremacy is not about being held accountable and they use any mechanism that they can to make sure that they're not being forced to be held accountable. You should accept them for what they are with no strings attached. Meanwhile, there was no such grace given to to Khalif Browder or to Trayvon Martin or to Mia Rice because we're not deserving of that because we're not human. That's why. And because white supremacy is all about using all their mechanisms this time around, they use Christianity to do that because they bastardize and perverted Christianity to fit their ancestral caveman-like ways. Um, so, Damon, I want to throw it to you. But before I do, you know, when Dylan Roof, a neo-Nazi, mm-hmm. came into uh, the Mother Manual AME Church and shot nine black people during Bible study, remember, he was forgiven very quickly. And not only him, but Rep. John Lewis also forgave the white racists who almost beat him to death on a bridge in Selma. Why do we continue to forgive in this way. You know, honestly, I think sometimes I'm not sure if we understand what forgiveness actually means. You know, I, I'm not sure if we really understand the weight of forgiveness and what that word means. That word forgiveness, and this is where, you know, I, I kind of do tip my hat to Stanley a little bit, even as a Christian, to say that, yes, white supremacy has done a work on Christianity to ensure that it is weaponized and used to continue to protect their interests, right? But I think that we do it because, like you said, you want to be, you don't want that hate. You don't want that bitterness. You don't want that in your heart. I'm not sure if you have to release someone from accountability and their debt in order to receive that level of peace. You know, and I think that that is where I personally actually as a Christian wrestle with when I see forgiveness in the scripture. Forgiveness means to say you don't owe this no more. And to say that Dylan Roof immediately in his arraignment (laughs) 
says that he doesn't owe it, I think shows that even in ourselves, we're doing it because we want the peace. But I think we have to be taught on how to properly handle forgiveness. It is a gift that should not be misused and it should not be extended so freely um, just off just off the back. And and that really hurt me with the Dylan Roof situation. So. Yeah, because like, I mean, like it's maybe you're doing it for yourself or what you're doing is giving white supremacy an opportunity to absolve itself. I just want to point out because one of our callers just mentioned this is that one or two, one of the witnesses who went on the stand and talked and pretty much helped Amber Guy be found guilty was murdered yesterday. Mm-hmm. They shot him in the mouth and in the chest. And the other woman who spoke on the stand on behalf of Botham Jean, she lost her job and was decertified. And while all, all this is happening, Amber Guy is going to appeal the conviction. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about this? For me, it sounds like the fix is in. We know that the... The police force was accused of deleting text messages and reframing the story and putting out a report that both of them had marijuana in his system and all these other things. Does this does this sound shady to me as it does to you guys? Absolutely. And, you know, I think that, you know, to get back to the earlier point, um, I feel like this level of forgiveness that black people show is one of two things. Number one, I don't think we're cut like white people. I don't think we have that, that savage mentality. I don't think we are as, as brutal. I think if you look at what history has shown us, what white people have done through colonizing, through killing, through raping, through uh, genocide, I don't think we have that in us. Like I see white people. I'm like, I, I can't even get to your level of savagery. Um, that's number one. And number two, and number two, y'all gonna get a letter. <laughs> Number two, or I hope not. Um, I think we also have a very profound, deep faith, which Stanley talked about, what Damon talked about, which says we need to forgive. God will fight our battles. And that is a faith that I subscribe to. However, I do think that that does not absolve white supremacy and this racism. Yes, Stanley. God will fight our battles. No, God, like you need a mustard seed of faith, but you also need some work too. God ain't just going to do everything for you. And this is an atheist telling you that because I've actually read the text and understand what they're talking about. And I think when you when the people who say that God will fight your battles don't fight, those are the people who usually believe in that prosperity gospel. And I won't get too deep into that because I know <laughs> we need more time for it. But the prosperity gospel is about worry about your own stuff, make your money. And the better you do, that means you have God's favor. Everyone else will be taken care of when they're dead and in heaven. And that's, I don't I just don't agree with that. And I think that that's a, that's actually an, an, a piece of white supremacy mm-hmm. morphing Christianity. I mean, honestly, I think that, I mean, going back to why we do this, I mean, honestly, there is a history of us not receiving any justice. There's a history, a long legacy of us constantly being disappointed. What do you tell the oppressed when they don't receive justice ever, when they're trying to keep their very sanity? They have come to the point, black folks have come to the point where they said, I got to move on. I got to move on because I ain't going to get the justice I deserve. For years, no one doesn't even see me as human. You trivialize my experience in this nation. If I don't move on, I'm going to go crazy. I just disagree to say that that means forgiveness. My whole thing is that I'm not sure if that means releasing you from that debt. You know, I just believe that that means that. And I do believe God does help us in that. Right. Mm -hmm. But I believe how he helps us is ensure that, you know, our peace is kept. You know, he'll give us a peace about that. I do believe that. But I'm not sure if that means I'm going to write off your debt and say, you know, you don't owe me without you ever coming to me and acknowledging what you've done. There's no way Amber could be restored back and reconciled back into society if she herself is not asking, what do I have to do instead of she's asking, how can I? I get off or being held responsible. Well, for she did say sorry after. Sorry, a year. ain't it? She she did sorry, say sorry, ain't it? Um, sorry, she's appealing. 
Yeah, it's right, <laughs> like, right, right. Sorry is not it. Like, even, like, go back to the God thing, right? This is my thing. Why do black folks, why do people expect black folks to do things that God himself doesn't even do? Mm. God himself even requires repentance for us to even access his forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And my thing is, repentance is not something that you just say out your mouth. All Christians should come with me with this. Repentance is something that you do. It's, it's an act of faith. It's an action word. And forgiveness is not a verb. It is something that you do. Mm-hmm. It's actually a legal term. You have to act on it mm-hmm. but if a creditor calls your house y'all and say you owe me a hundred dollars you owe me a thousand dollars and that credit card company's calling your house and we're trying to work out a deal with you and every time they call they say i ain't got no credit card i never had no credit card and you keep on denying the debt you will never get forgiveness and my question is why black folks are doing things that banks don't even do banks mm-hmm. do not forgive you of a debt that you won't even acknowledge exists god killed a whole bunch of people with water because they wouldn't they wouldn't they know how to act well and then he turned somebody into a pillar of salt because he said, don't turn around. And she did. You think he's down with this? Well, she, because God is a woman, in my opinion. But you think she's down with all this nonsense? Well, Stanley, before we get to final thoughts, do you think mainstream media is using that brother's forgiveness as a way to trivialize black trauma and pain? Of course they are. And assisting in the redemption of Amber? How so? Because mainstream media is run by white people. And if, if this man who had his brother killed by this white woman can find forgiveness in his heart, why can't black people find forgiveness for all the bad things that white people allegedly did to the Negroes. So this is the this is the example. This is what white people can now use to gaslight black folks into asking for justice, whether it's because another cop shot an unarmed black person or because you're putting lead in their water and we want to hold you accountable. This is what white people do. Follow the they they, they Martin Luther King you. Martin Luther King turned the other cheek. Well, this is your this is your 2019 turn the other cheek. Um, Dara Kalima left another comment on our Facebook Live. She says Amber was never repentant, and it is scare tactics. We best not talk, or we get executed like our brother, the witness who was shot down. We need to reevaluate how we offer forgiveness, and we have to still show up and speak even when our lives are on the line. Great point. And again, this is to the, that witness, that key witness who was shot down, what like less than forty-eight hours ago after he testified, and he's one of the reasons why. Uh, Amber was convicted and his black life has been ended. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do have to wrap up this conversation. But, Damon, I want to know, what do we take from this trial? What do we take from that moment in the courtroom and what needs to happen next so that we can get tr- true restorative justice? I mean, one thing that we can take, uh, I mean, I think we need to really reevaluate. I I mean, this has happened. It has raised this issue of forgiveness up to the surface and has given us a moment, a history, a a time for our generation to really assess this forgiveness, to really assess how we handle restorative justice. And I think that's just a a, definitely a conversation we need to have. I think it's also a time for Christians to reassess our theology around forgiveness and really reapproach it and see are we handling this right? Is it toxic theology? Are we are we really presenting this in a way that is that is integral to the scriptures and the context of the gospels? I think that's very important. And as a Christian, I will say I'm a beneficiary of God's grace and his forgiveness, right? But God said, you know, we have an advocate with the Father if we come to him if we confess our faults, he's faithful and just to forgive them. But he says, first, you got to come. You got to confess. You got to sit down. We got to have a conversation. And you know what? I'm willing to forgive when the system, when our nation is willing to come to the table and admit its faults and bring fruit of repentance. That's something that proves that they're willing to take care of it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just going to quote this last line. You know, Langston Hughes says, Negroes, sweet, docile, humble and kind. Beware of the day they change their mind. And that I, was powerful <laughs> on that note. No, Stanley, final thoughts. What needs to be done so we can have true restorative justice? 
Well, true restorative justice means we have to dismantle this entire mass incarceration system because it's not working and it's solely focused on ending and imprisoning black bodies, black and brown bodies. So, of course, it would show grace to Amber and contort itself in all the ways it could to save Amber. At the same time, we need to have a serious conversation about Christianity and what forgiveness looks like because I think too many of our people are being hypnotized by what I call the white man's man-aids unseasoned Christianity. And they, they're using that unseasoned Christianity to make people think that they have to just be docile and fall back whenever white people do them wrong. And until we are having honest conversations about what retribution and forgiveness is and we stop pretty much just selling in or co-opting co in to this unseasoned, undercooked, nasty behind Christianity, we're going to be in trouble because there's going to be more black people dead and there's going to be a lot more families forgiving those white murderers with no other expectations. I just want to say this as we close out the show. As a lifelong devout Christian, I believe in forgiveness and grace, but I also believe in truth and consequences. And the way that white supremacy has worked throughout this uh throughout the throughout the beginning of time, it hasn't always just affected black people. I mean, we think about white supremacists and Nazis and the Holocaust, right? Jewish people. I don't hear my Jewish um friends saying we forgive a Nazi and embracing them. You just don't hear stuff like that. And I'm very well aware of it even as a Christian. I think that our history has shown us that it's always that burden of forgiveness and humanity is always placed on the backs of black people and i think that it's gotten to the point where if we don't forgive and like and free ourselves from that oppression then it's like eating us up so i think that forgiveness for us as black people is a form of survival and it's a reform uh, it's a form of resilience actually and i think that it's actually there's so much strength in forgiveness i personally have forgiven and try to forgive all those who wrong me because i just don't want to carry around like I, I believe that if you don't forgive the person that hurts you you become them and i think that to our strength and to our benefit as black people, we have always gone high when they go low. I'm not saying that's the best method. I'm just saying it's what's kept us alive and I understand it. That is all I'm saying on that note. However, we do have to end this show in this segment but I want to thank Damon for coming on the show today great commentary my brother I want to thank everyone who called in who listened in and chimed in on Facebook live and I want to thank you guys in the podcast community who are listening on Spotify SoundCloud iHeart Stitcher and Google we appreciate you guys as well and please the best way to show your appreciation for us is through support and you can do that on patreon.com slash be heard radio when you support us we will continue to support the issues and the causes that you care about. On that note, we'll see you again.